The following resource is by CBC Mokopani. For more resources like this, check out our website at www.christbaptistmokopani.com. Let's bow our heads and pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and also this opportunity that we have to meet again today to listen to your word. Father, please quiet our hearts and open our ears through your Holy Spirit so that we may hear and understand what you want to say to us through today's message. We pray and ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Uh, in the preface of Jerry Bridges' book, The Pursuit of Holiness, he wrote the following. A farmer plows his field, sows the seed, and fertilizes and cultivates, all the while knowing that in the final analysis he is utterly dependent on forces outside of himself. He knows he cannot cause the seed to germinate, nor can he produce the rain and sunshine for growing and harvesting the crop. For a successful harvest, he is dependent on these things from God. Yet, the foreman knows that unless he diligently pursues his responsibilities to plow, to plant, to fertilize and cultivate, he cannot expect a harvest at the end of the season. Now in a sense he is in a partnership with God and he will reap its benefits only when he has fulfilled his own responsibilities. Farming is a joint venture between God and the farmer. The former cannot do what God must do, and yet God will not do what the former should do. We can say just as accurately that the pursuit of holiness is a joint venture between God and the Christian. No one can attain any degree of holiness without God working in his life. But just as surely no one will attain it without effort on his own part. God has made it possible for us to walk in holiness. But he has given to us the responsibility of doing the walking. He does not do that for us. We Christians greatly enjoy talking about the provision of God. How Christ defeated sin on the cross and gave us his Holy Spirit to empower us to victory over sin but we do not as readily talk about our own responsibility to walk in holiness now we're not gonna we're not gonna look at um, holiness or sanctification today but we will be looking at personal responsibility. Now, instead of taking responsibility for our sins 
and accepting the consequences we often suffer as a result of our choices, most people like to blame their sinful actions on others and like to argue that their situation is different or unique in that their failure to turn away from sin and submit to Christ is caused by circumstances outside of themselves and that the consequences they suffer are unfair. People don't like to admit that they themselves are the guilty ones and that they are responsible for their daily conduct or their daily deliberate sinning against God. People love to play the blame game. Now, one of God's attributes, however, is that He is om omniscient, meaning He is all-knowing. And for this reason, the blame game will never work with God. God is very clear in His word. Every person is responsible for his or her own conduct. Whether your choices have been influenced by other people or maybe by your circumstances. However, the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. The soul who sins shall die. And that's God's direct words spoken to the prophet Ezekiel. So won't you please take your Bible and turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 18. Ezekiel chapter 18 and let's read from verse 30. Ezekiel 18 from verse 30. Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel. Everyone according to his ways, declares the Lord God. Repent and turn from all your transgressions, lest iniquity be your ruin. Cast away from you all the transgressions that you have committed, and make yourselves a new heart, a new spirit. Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord God. So, repent and live. I want to ask that you keep your Bible open as we will be looking at a few other verses later on. So, the first thing that I want you to, to take note of is that these words are the words... Um, spoken directly by God to Ezekiel. If you look at chapter 18 verse 1, then you will see that the prophet Ezekiel starts by saying, The word of the Lord came to me. And in chapters 18 and 19, that's the only time that Ezekiel says anything. The rest of the time is God speaking and he is addressing a very serious problem. 
Now the portion of scripture that we will be looking at this morning mainly deals with the result of this problem. But before we look at the result, let's read chapter 18 verse 1 through 4 just to better understand the context of this problem. Chapter 18 verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you mean by repeating this proverb concerning the land of Israel? The fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, declares the Lord God, this proverb shall no more be used by you in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the father as well as the soul of the son is mine. The soul who sins shall die. So the problem that God is addressing in this chapter is that this group of Israelites basically accused God of being unjust. And the setting or where these Israelites find themselves has a lot to do with why they are accusing God of being unjust. By the time um, that this word of God came to Ezekiel, he and his fellow Israelites were living as exiles in Babylon. They were far away from home, far from what they were used to. They were basically captives in a Gentile country and they blamed God for their situation. Now these Israelites accused God of being unjust because he allowed this evil thing to happen to them, which according to them, they did not deserve. They thought that God was punishing them for the sins of the previous generations. So there's quite a bit of blame shifting going on. They blamed God for blaming them for something their ancestors did and now they suffer the consequences. Now this is not the first time that this blame shifting problem um, makes its appearance in scripture. This blame shifting problem is actually found all over scripture. In fact, this problem is almost as old as creation itself. Quickly turn with me to Genesis, will you? Let me show you what I mean. Genesis chapter 3. Now we are all familiar with what is happening here in this chapter, I hope. This is where Adam committed the most grievous sin imaginable. And that is, he listened to the voice of his wife. So what is the application that we can derive from today's very short message? Never listen to your wife. I'm just kidding. So, blame shifting. Adam and Eve sinned against God by doing the exact opposite of what God instructed them to do. They ate from the tree which God told them not to eat from. And when God asked them to account for their sin, they were both, well, it wasn't me, it's not my fault. 
Adam directly blamed his wife and indirectly blamed God. Look at verse 12 of Genesis chapter 3. The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit and of the tree and I ate. Adam blamed Eve. She gave it to me. What a pathetic excuse. But what is worse, Adam also blamed God. He's like, but God, you gave me this woman. I think you made a mistake when you gave me this wife. See, if you did not give me this wife, then she would not have been here to give me this fruit to eat. And now, God, you give me trouble because you gave and she gave. What was I supposed to do? This is not my fault. And Eve, Eve did not fare any better. Verse 13. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Eve was like, This is not my fault. This sneaky snake is to blame. And the sad reality is that this blame-shifting problem is something that is still found among us today. We know all too well what this looked like in our own lives, don't we? Just look at our kids, for example. How many times have you asked your child, why did you do this or that? And when they answer you, it's always someone else's fault. They are never responsible for their actions. Does that sound familiar? So sorry to say, but we adults do the very same thing. Men or husbands, after you've got involved with an argument with your wife, have you ever thought to yourself, I can't possibly be the one who is always wrong. And in an attempt to comfort yourself, you come up with all kind of stupid excuses, just like Adam. If only my wife would stop giving me so much grief about this or that, then I would not have to get so excited. If only she, she is the one, it's hardly ever me. Wives, don't we all like to blame our sneaky circumstances rather than admit that we are the ones who are wrong? And if this is not bad enough, we too often accuse God of being unjust, don't we? How often do we think that life is not fair? What God is allowing to take place in our lives isn't right. I don't deserve this. Why can others flourish and I just have to be content with the little I have? God, you're making a mistake. This is a major trap that we need to look out for and avoid. Questioning God's character. 
Now this is exactly what Satan managed to trick Eve into when he asked Eve, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? No, don't believe God. He just doesn't want you to be like him. Forget what God said, follow your heart. And instead of trusting God's word, trusting God's goodness, Eve doubted God. Her desire to be free to do as she pleases caused her to fall for Satan's lies. And as we saw earlier, it did not take much to convince Adam that to submit to God isn't really necessary. The Israelites also thought, if God says do this and don't do that, then it actually means it's optional. It doesn't really matter. And because they did not submit to God, they ended up being exiled to Babylon. And as usual, one sin led to another, and they did exactly what Adam and Eve did. They questioned God's character. Over and over the Bible teaches us that God is a just God. In fact, He hates injustice. One of the psalm writers named Ethan wrote in Psalm 89 verse 14 that righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne. And yet, says God in Ezekiel 18 verse 29, the Israelites say the way of the Lord is not just. God responded with the following question. Are my ways unjust, people of Israel? Is it not your ways that are unjust? And then God continued in verse 30, which we read just a few moments ago. Therefore, you Israelites, I will judge each of you according to your own ways. We need to be careful not to make the same mistake. The Bible repeatedly provides us with proof that God, if God says something, if God says He's going to do something, then He does it. And if you don't believe Him, if you don't trust in Him, if you do not submit to Him, then you will be judged according to your own ways. Listen carefully to what um, it's written in Numbers 23:19. God is not human that he should lie. Not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? And the obvious answer, of course, God will do what he said he will do. He always does. I know that in this passage that we are looking at today, God is speaking to the Israelites. But we also have to understand that each and every person will one day have to stand before God to give an account for his or her life. But for some reason, 
many people continue to live their lives as if this is not true. They live their lives not keeping in mind that they will one day have to stand before God Almighty and give an account for what they have done, what they said, and even their thoughts. They live as worldly people, or whiskey people if you like. They just keep on walking like Johnny Walker. But the truth is, worldly-minded people who refuse to submit to God's word will, without a doubt, one day find themselves in a similar situation to the one that the descendants of Jacob found themselves in in the wilderness after God brought them out of Egypt. They refused to believe that God is good. They wanted to go back to Egypt and rather than to stick with God's plan. They did not believe that God will do what he said he will do. So they refused to repent and they refused to submit to God and as a result they died. Now let me quickly read you a portion from Ezekiel 20 um, that uses this exact same account as an example. Ezekiel 20 verse 5. And say to them, Thus says the Lord God, On the day when I chose Israel, I swore to the offspring of the house of Jacob, making myself known to them in the land of Egypt. I swore to them, saying, I am the Lord your God. On that day I swore to them that I would bring them out of the land of Egypt into a land that had I searched out for them, a land flowing with milk and honey, the most glorious of all lands. And I said to them, Cast away the detestable things your eyes feast on, every one of you, and do not defile yourself with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. But they rebelled against me and were not willing to listen to me. None of them cast away the detestable things their eyes feasted on, nor did they forsake the idols of Egypt. Then I said, I would pour out my wrath upon them and spend my anger against them in the midst of the land of Egypt. And we all know how it played out for these people. God did what he said he would do. Only a handful of them entered into the promised land. The rest all died in the desert. And God warned them over and over again, but they did not repent and turn away from their sin. They did not trust God. Now this reminds me of something that happened at our house a while ago. Um, we decided to go for a swim at a holiday resort, which is about two, three kilometers out of town. And on that beautiful day, Tristan decided to put on his flip-flops. And he was running around, and so I called him and said to him, Tristan, do not run while wearing your flip-flops. They will cause you to fall and get hurt. 
And in the meantime, it started drizzling, but not much, just enough to cause our driveway, which is painted, to get a bit slippery. So as we walked to the car, Tristan came dashing past us, and lo and behold, he met something that we refer to in Afrikaans as the blinder sambok. Now, a blinder sambok, for those of you who are not familiar with the saying, it basically refers to, to that thing that happens to you after you've been warned about it. I warned Tristan, don't run while wearing flip-flops. But he chose to do what Adam and Eve did, which was to ignore the Father's warning. Needless to say, that day, Tristan learned a good lesson. Actually, two. Don't run while wearing flip-flops. And secondly, trust your father. We too need to come to the point where we understand that God is always good. We have to believe that what God says through His Word will happen. He will do it. And those who refuse to submit to God, the word of God is clear. They will not receive eternal life, but instead, they will spend eternity in hell, separated from the one whom they have rejected, after being showered with mercy time and again. And this is something that we must take note of. Not only is God just, but He is also a loving, patient and merciful God. No one who will be sent to hell will be able to say, this is not fair. God is not a just God. No. God is merciful. He is loving. He bears with us. He continually warns people to repent. Repent and live. Let's read that portion from Ezekiel chapter 20 verse 5 again. Please follow along. This time I will read up to verse 26. It's quite a lengthy portion. But I want you to pay attention to how many times God showed Israel mercy before He eventually gave them over to their sinful ways, to the wages of their sin. Ezekiel chapter 20 from verse 5. And say to them, thus says the Lord God, On the day when I chose Israel, I swore to the offspring of the house of Jacob, making myself known to them in the land of Egypt. I swore to them, saying, I am the Lord your God. On that day I saw to them that I would bring them out of the land of Egypt into a land that I had searched out for them. And a land flowing with milk and honey, the most glorious of all lands. And I said to them, cast away the detestable things your eyes feast on, every one of you, and do not defile yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. But they rebelled against me and were not willing to listen to me. 
None of them cast away the detestable things their eyes feasted on, nor did they forsake the idols of Egypt. Then I said, I would pour out my wrath upon them and spend my anger against them in the midst of the land of Egypt. But I acted for the sake of my name, that it should not be profaned in the sight of the nations among whom they lived, in whose sight I made myself known to them in bringing them out of the land of Egypt. So I let them out of the land of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness. I gave them my statutes and made known to them my rules, by which if a person does them, he shall live. Moreover, I gave them my Sabbath, a sign between me and them, that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. But the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They did not walk in my statutes, but rejected my rules, by which if a person does them, he shall live. My Sabbath they greatly profaned. And then I said, I would pour out my wrath upon them in the wilderness to make a full end of them. But I acted for the sake of my name, that it should not be profaned in the sight of the nations in whose sight I had brought them out. Moreover, I swore to them in the wilderness that I would not bring them into the land that I had given them, and a land flowing with milk and honey the most glorious of all lands, because they rejected my rules and did not walk in my statutes and profaned my Sabbaths, for their heart went after their idols. Nevertheless, my eye spared them. I did not destroy them or make a full end of them in the wilderness. And I said to their children in the wilderness, Do not walk in the statutes of your fathers, nor keep their rules, nor defile yourselves with their idols. I am the Lord your God. Walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules and keep my Sabbaths holy, that they may be a sign between me and you, that you may know that I am the Lord your God. But the children rebelled against me. They did not walk in my statutes and were not careful to obey my rules, by which if a person does them, he shall live. They profaned my Sabbaths. Then I said, I would pour out my wrath upon them and spend my anger against them in the wilderness. But I withheld my hand and acted for the sake of my name, that it should not be profaned in the sight of the nations in whose sight I had brought them out. Moreover, I swore to them in the wilderness that I would scatter them among the nations and disperse them through the countries, because they had not obeyed my rules, but had rejected my statutes and profaned my Sabbaths. And their eyes were set on their father's idols. Moreover, I gave them the statutes that were not good and rules by which they could not have life. And I defiled them through their very gifts in their offering up 
all their firstborn, that I might devastate them. I did it that they might know that I am the Lord. Have you noticed how merciful God was towards these Israelites? And yet, this lost generation that God is addressing in chapter 18, who was exiled to Babylon, accuses God of being unjust. God is not unjust. He is a loving, merciful, just God. That is who he is and he will never, never, ever change. The problem is not with God. The problem lies with us. God calls everybody to repentance over and over and over again. But people do not listen. They do not believe. They do not trust God's word to be true and they refuse to repent and submit to the one who determines their final destination. Instead of believing that God is good and that God wants everybody to repent and submit to him so that they could live forever. Instead of believing this, people believe that they are just and God is the one who is unjust. People believe that they deserve eternal life. And there are many people who think that God would not send people to hell. I know people like that. If only they would trust God's word. No sin is acceptable before God. And God's word is clear. All have sinned and fall short the glory of God. And hence... All people deserve to die and spend eternity in hell. And because God is a just God, no one who dies outside of Christ will live. No one. God's word is clear on this. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Is Christ Jesus Lord of your life? Have you repented? Have you turned away from your transgressions? Have you placed your trust in Christ and submitted your life to Him? If you reject God's invitation then God's word clearly says you will die. You will die an eternal death. But if you repent and believe, then you will receive eternal life. We have to understand that the soul that sins will die. And by blaming your actions, your words, and your thoughts on someone else or something else will not serve as a valid excuse. Unless you take responsibility and repent of your sins, unless you submit to Christ, you will be destined for hell. And as we have seen, 
God is patient. God is merciful. And He warns all people over and over again. But, there will come a day for each and every person when their time will run out. And if that happens and you have not taken responsibility, then the next thing that will be awaiting you is judgment. And before the judgment seat of Christ, playing the blame game will not save you. There's only one who can save. And that is Christ Jesus. And Jesus himself says in Mark chapter 1 verse 15, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. So take responsibility today. Don't wait until it is too late. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son who came and lived in perfect obedience and who gave up his perfect life to save those who repent and believe the gospel. Father, please help us to stop making excuses and to take responsibility for our actions. Help us not to be stubborn and cold-hearted like those Israelites were. And please give us a new heart and a new spirit so that we may live and you be glorified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand as we sing our present.